The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Hey, it's Pastor Doug Bursch here, and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. So I've been watching this reality television show called Alone. In this show, they leave wilderness survivalist alone in the wilderness and see who can survive the longest alone in the wilderness. And what I've found is people don't do well alone in the wilderness. We're not created to be alone. Yet, when it comes to American Christianity, we make it all about individualistic, alone self-sufficiency. We're going to talk about that problem on today's Fairly Spiritual Show. so glad you could join me for this Friday edition of the Fairly Spiritual Show. We come to you twice a week on Wednesdays. It's just a podcast, so you need to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud or go to fairlyspiritual.org to find it uploaded every Wednesday. And then on Fridays, we have the radio version of the Fairly Spiritual Show. And uh, by the way, uh, last Wednesday, I did a show on having a calling that can withstand the fiery furnace, where we're just going to do the work of the kingdom regardless. We're just not going to give up. We're just going to believe, you know, the Lord's going to save us. Uh, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to, you know, the demon of this age. We're just going to do the work. Uh, but also on Wednesday's show, I brought up uh, that I've been watching this reality uh, TV show. I'm behind five years, so I've been watching things on demand. Uh, but it's called Alone. I think it's on the History Channel. But I had a few people recommend it to me, and I finally decided to watch it. And the basic premise of it is they leave uh, these uh, people out in the wilderness alone. The first two seasons are on Vancouver Island, where there's 10 contestants. They put them alone in the wilderness. They give them cameras to film themselves. So it's not like there's camera crews even watching them. And they just are alone. And the goal was to see how long you can survive on your own alone in the wilderness. And what you find, uh, at least in the first couple seasons I've been watching, is that these uh, people with incredible survival skills uh, are not able to survive well alone. Eventually, the isolation gets to them. And they have these strong, you know, these strong work ethics, these strong survival skills, even these strong convictions that they're not going to give up, just these strong, you know, I'm going to be here for six months, I'm going to be here for a year. And then, uh, just, I don't want to give away too much if you want to watch it, but it is amazing how quickly people tap out because they need to be with other people. And this show has really affected me or just even more so encouraged me on one of the central focuses of the ministry uh, I'm a part of. And one of the main things that I focus in on, and I've been focusing in on this the last uh, few Fridays, is the ministry of community that Christianity needs to be about the community of God, and that we have made Christianity far too much about individualistic needs or about individualism. That American Christianity, if you were to look at one of its fundamental flaws, it's that we've made it about the individual. And we've really made it isolated. 
and we've we've made Christians alone in their faith, and that is one of the biggest problems with um, the way we express Christianity, and I think it's why Christianity is meaningless uh, to many people in America. So the last few Fridays, I've been actually going through different chapters in my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor, and I would really encourage you to pick this book up. If you want to find a way to support this ministry, you know, I've asked people to donate to keep the show on the air. I had a few people donate last week. That's huge. We need more people to donate to keep this on the air. You can go to fairlyspiritual.org to donate. Your donations matter. This My church doesn't support uh, this radio program. I'm not having the church support it. I, I just have a small church. The goal of this is to have the listeners support this endeavor. This is not about growing my church. This is about trying to facilitate a better dialogue in Christian media. Uh, but with that, uh, you know, any support helps. But one of the ways you can practically support this show and also be involved in this movement is to pick up this book. The book is called The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. And you can pick that up through Amazon. Uh, just Google it, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. You can also find links to it through my website. But in the book, the basic premise I'm talking about is all the different ways that we make Christianity about individualism when the Bible talks about the centrality of the community of God. That it's not about the individual, it's about the community. And uh, as I watch this reality show and I see people just dying, just dying when they're by themselves. These people who think they can live on their own, who actually have lived maybe even sort of isolated lives before they came out to live in the wilderness, I'm just watching them not survive or flourish or even function in isolation. It reminds me that so much of what is broken with how we present Christianity is we present it in individualistic terms. And we've, we've talked much about this. In the book, we go through in detail all the different ways that the Bible talks about community in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But today, I want to look at some of the metaphors that the Scripture uses to talk about the centrality of community. In fact, they're not just metaphors. They're actually how God views us and how we're supposed to view uh, our lives. And one of the strongest images the Bible uses to describe us and to describe the church is he refers to us as his temple, that we are the temple of God. And in 1 Corinthians 3, 16, uh, the Apostle Paul mentions something that's pretty powerful. And, and I want to look at this in a couple ways. But 1 Corinthians 3, 16 to 17, Paul says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Now, when we look at this passage in America, when people look at this passage, almost always, immediately, we turn this into an individualistic passage. Let me read this again. And just, you know, let's be honest here. Maybe you read it that way. Maybe you've always read it that way. When you hear the word you, do you think in terms of a plural you or a singular you? Paul says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Many people, when they read this, immediately they think in terms of the individual. You're God's temple. Now, in fact, 
they almost think in the terms of, you know, I'm God's temple, so I better eat good food and work out, you know, because I'm the temple of the Lord. But in the context of this, if you look in the Greek, uh, it's not the singular you, it's the plural you. And it's very important to see this as a plural you, not a singular you. I wish we had a plural you. In, in the U.S., the only plural you we have is the South, right? Y'all. So a better translation, and maybe there should be a Southern translation of the Bible, but, but a better translation for this would be this. Do you, do you not know that y'all are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in y'all? Y'all is maybe one translation, are you all? If anyone destroys God's temple... God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and y'all are that temple. So Paul is saying something here that's pretty profound. He's saying that you need to understand the importance of when you gather. When you gather together collectively, this is how God abides with you. The temple of God abides with the people as they gather together collectively. When individuals gather together, we see the fullness of God. And we know that image is carried on even farther because we also see another image. And think about some of the images that, that you've seen as well or, or that come to your mind of how the Scripture talks about uh, the body of Christ. The body of Christ, right? There's the other image as well. The community of God is also referred to as the body of Christ. Paul uses this image, and uh, this is from my book in page 113. Uh, As members of the body of Christ, Paul urged believers to gather not for the purpose of meeting their individual needs, but to meet the needs of the entire body. He taught believers that their individual spiritual walks were intrinsically tied to the health and the needs of the larger body. Paul made this point clear in his letter to the Romans. He said, for by, grace, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members, one of another. So the images Paul uses here are pretty profound. He uses an image that you are a temple collectively together, and you must recognize that, that when you gather, it's important because your collective expression is how God abides in your midst. This is a sacred gathering. In fact, he says, it's so sacred that if anyone destroys this gathering, God will destroy you. I'm, I'm going to get into that a little bit more. Of What does it mean that God will destroy you if you destroy the sacred gathering? And he also says you need to understand that when you gather together, the fullness or the body of Christ gathers together. And that's incredibly important to why we gather and why it's central to be a part of an expression that's larger than ourselves. I'm going to talk more about this, but first we're going to take a break. Hey, I so much appreciate you listening to this show, The Fairly Spiritual Show. We need your support. A couple things. First, pick up this book and read along with us. Be a part of this movement. The Community of God, a theology of the church from a reluctant pastor can be picked up at Amazon. You can find out more information at my website. To donate, to keep the show on the air, go to fairlyspiritual.org. That's fairlyspiritual.org. And I'd love it if you text our show or call the show. You can just text to leave information. 
uh, 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513 to text the show. Most importantly, listening and sharing the show with others is a great way to support us. Your Your support makes all the difference in the world. Well, if you just joined us, what we're talking about today is the centrality of the community of God, how we make uh, faith, how we make uh, Christianity in America about the individual, but the Bible talks about the centrality of community in everything, that it's never just about us, that it's always about the larger community. And I started off the show talking about I was watching this reality show, and in this reality show called Alone, where they leave people alone in the wilderness, that no matter how strong these people are, when they're left alone in the wilderness to survive, they eventually need community, that they can't make it alone, that no, no matter how sufficient they are, they recognize, in fact, many of them did not recognize until they were alone, how important community is to their basic survival in life. And as I watch this reality show, I realized that we are so often promoting Christianity in individualistic terms about your individualistic growth, about your, you know, you need to deal with your sins and your dreams and your struggles and your plans and your feelings. And we are cutting people off from the larger picture of the community of God. Before the break, I read this scripture from Romans 12, three through five, where the apostle Paul says, for as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many are one body in Christ and individually members, one of another. It's important for us to realize that Paul isn't just giving a nice illustration so that we can preach a sermon or teach a Sunday school lesson. He is giving us a profound truth. He's saying, you in and of yourself, you don't have everything. You're just a part of the body of Christ. You're just a hand, you're just a foot, you're just a leg. You can't fully express Christ without the full body. This is something I think we miss. Yes, you can have relationship with God. Yes, you can be with Christ if you're alone. But you cannot express the fullness of God outside of a larger expression than just yourself. That God is expressing his fullness through his body, which is the gathered church. And we gather so that the fullness of Christ can be expressed. That you're not everything, and you can't be everything. So often we tell people to live in the sufficiency that they were never called to be in, that they they can exist whether everyone fails them. And that's not how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live in a way that Adam lived with Eve, where he could look at Eve and say, you're bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. Together we're one. Together we need each other. We have a dependency upon each other. We are fully human in community. It is not good for me to be alone and in isolation. I need you to be a better expression of myself. And we are called into community so that we can have a better expression of humanity. Paul says we need others in the body of Christ. We need to gather so we can see Christ. That's why we begin to worship together and pray together, because a fuller expression of God rises up in our midst. It's not just a clever way that we can all be taught by one person. It's so that we can see Christ in a more full expression. So often we just make church as a place I go 
to get answers for my individual needs. That's not the purpose of church. Community is a place where we gather to see a fuller understanding of Christ, where we bring something that other people don't have and they bring something that we don't have. They bring a fuller understanding of Christ and we bring a fuller understanding of Christ because we're not all the hands and we're not all the feet, we're not all the mouth. There's one head who's Christ Jesus, but we each express a different expression of the body of Christ. And as I mentioned earlier here, that Paul says, don't you know, don't you all know the Southern version of the Bible, because he's speaking in the plural, he says that you are the temple of the Most Holy Lord. In 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17, he says, you all are a temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in you all. When you gather, God's temple dwells in you all. And he says, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy you. And this is an area that I just want to stop at and and remind us of how far we have fallen from an understanding of Scripture, or at least from a respect of Scripture. This warning is one of the most troubling warnings in the New Testament. This sounds very Old Testament. Paul says, you know, the gathered church is the temple of God. And it's incredibly sacred because God's Spirit dwells in that temple. And Paul says, anyone who destroys that gathered temple, God will destroy them. That sounds pretty rough. (laughs) That sounds kind of like Old Testament wrath stuff. But Paul's warning is one of the most dangerous things you can do. One of the most, if, if if, if you want to avoid anything, avoid this. Don't ever do anything that would destroy the church. Don't ever do anything that would divide the church. Don't ever do anything that would harm the church. The most dangerous thing you can do because God will destroy you is to do something that would harm God's church. That's Paul's warning. And what I see in our culture is just a flippancy about the church. I will see Christians just flippantly complain about and judge and criticize and have no no consideration about how their actions might destroy the church. A complete indifference about whether the church survives with or without them, who will just disappear from the church, who will just, I don't, they don't really even care whether the church survives with or without them, will maybe give or maybe not give to the church. They don't really even have a concept of whether or not their actions matter to the existence of the church. But Paul says, if you act in a way that destroys the church, I'll destroy you. And yet it's amazing how we don't even feel a guilt in our conscience about any behavior, or at least some of us don't, about any behavior that might be harmful to the church, the gossiping that might hurt the church, divisive behavior that might make it harder for the church to survive or the way we financially support the church, or even the way we just attend. That if everyone treated the church the way we did, the church would not survive. It would close. The church we go to would close if everyone went as much as we went, if everyone supported it the way we supported it, if everyone treated it the way we treated it, if everyone talked about the pastor the way we talk about the pastor. Paul says, if you destroy this temple, God will destroy you. And yet one of the favorite pastimes of Christians is just sitting around talking about what's wrong with the church. Now, now I believe that any injustices in the church should be challenged. And when there are immoral leaders 
And when there is abuse and harm and wickedness in the church, we should speak out against that. And I, I'm not someone who says, oh, you know, we should all just get along and pretend sin isn't happening. But at the same level, just as we should speak out against injustices, just as we should speak out against sin, just as we should speak out against abuse, we should also contend for the health of the church. As if you believe in the authority of Scripture, Paul says something that is chilling. He says, the church is the temple of God where his spirit dwells. When the church gathers, when people gather, the spirit of God dwells there. And if you do anything to destroy that community, God will destroy you. If you're known as a divisive person, if everywhere you go divides churches, then God is working against you. If you go from church to church, dividing congregations, making people's lives misery, getting people fired or getting them to quit or being the kind of person that causes division and divisiveness, or you're just someone who does not support things, that if everyone treated the church the way you treated it, no pastor would be paid, no church would exist, then you're in a dangerous place. These are the warnings. Let me read you something I wrote in my book. This is from... Uh, page 117, from The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. In a healthy church, we become greater and more glorious than our individual parts. Only through community can we fully understand Peter's promise for every believer that you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In Christian community, we make room for a fuller expression of Christ's presence in our midst. In unified fellowship, we make the temple of God manifest. The temple of God is not a physical building, but a spiritual building where Christians abide together for a purpose that transcends individual wants and desires. In gathering together, Christians share the purpose of welcoming the presence and will of God in our midst. The church ultimately redeems relationships and once again embraces our mandate to image God on earth. As we gather in mutual love, we become a fuller expression of the body of Christ. Unlike the people of Babel who worked against the plans of God, we are called to build a spiritual tower or city that expresses the purposes of God. Although God frustrated the rebellious work of humanity at Babel, he now strengthens and empowers the work of redeemed community through the power and presence of his abiding Holy Spirit. The cross has not only saved humanity, Christ's death and resurrection has also made a way for Christians to work together to express the will of God in powerful, world-transforming ways. In community, believers develop their true capacity and capability to express and experience the will of God. If Christ is in you, Christ will call you into relationship. Yes, relationships hurt us, because here's the reality. Individuals will sin against God. You've sinned against God, but God's grace is sufficient for you to move forward. Communities will sin against you and sin against God, yet we're called into community as well. 
Just as the individual is called to be redeemed, restored, and justified and sanctified, so is community called to be redeemed, restored, sanctified, and justified. Just as we're called to conform our individual selves to the image of Christ, communities are called to be conformed to the image of Christ as well. Sadly, American Christianity has often put the individual first and foremost as spirituality. And then we've said, well, and if, maybe, maybe, okay, sort of, community, if there's time left. And that's simply not biblical. We are called into a body. And there's people right now in a community somewhere who are waiting for the expression of Christ in you. They need the expression of Christ in you. And there are, there's the expression of Christ in others that is needed, that you need. You need, you need the expression of Christ in other people. And isolating yourself is not how you do it. And judging others is not how you do it. And criticizing others is not how you do it. It's where you begin to be Christ to them and you let them be Christ to you. Where you surrender to the fullness of God, the full expression of Christ in community, full of grace and love and truth and kindness and understanding. Let it be so in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I so much appreciate you listening to today's show. You can pick up the book that I was addressing today. It's called The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. You can purchase that at Amazon. Just Google it, The Community of God by Douglas S. Birch. You can go to my website, fairlyspiritual.org. That's fairlyspiritual.org to donate to keep this show on the air. Your donations matter greatly. Go to fairlyspiritual.org. Dot org. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. If not through with you, not in the least. I will see you next time. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.